Hey dragons, welcome to another episode of the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. I am your host, Kenny Rotter, and today's episode is with a really interesting guy. I met him at the Dallas Tough Mudder a few weeks ago. His name is Matt Silvio, and he happens to be one of the most beastly vegans I have ever met. And we bonded over the Tough Mudder lifestyle, and I've actually been questioning getting into uh, exploring different dietary uh, styles to affect my physical uh, well-being. So it was good talking to Matt about that. And then we also discuss a little bit of the movie Willow, which if you haven't seen Willow, um, it's actually not available anywhere on demand. So it's not available on Netflix or Amazon Prime. So either try to locate a DVD or VHS somewhere. Anyways, anyways, dragons. Also, go ahead and leave us a rating and review on iTunes and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Other than that, workout nerd out. In the basement rolling dice. All right, welcome back, dragons. Matt, this is Matt Silvio, is here talking to us about vegan lifestyle as well as the movie Willow. Matt, how are you today, my friend? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I, I'm actually quite exhausted. It's 10 a.m. here. I've got a mountain of work piling up, and it's going to be great. This is a great escape for me, so I'm really excited that you had time to talk today. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's my pleasure. I've been up for, what time is it? It's noon my time. I've been up for about seven hours now. <laughs> 5 a.m.? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, that's normally when I get up during the week. Why are you up so early on a Sunday, man? Um, actually, interestingly enough, I don't really sleep in that much. Um, I wake up pretty much around that time every day to work out. So my weekend workout schedule, I typically wake up, um, between four 30 and five and I'll go for between a six and eight mile run and then lift. So, and during the week it's, uh, up at three 30 to work out. That's awesome. That's that is very similar to my ideal schedule. I usually, the alarm usually goes off at four so I can get to the gym by five. Uh, I don't usually have time for a six to eight mile run, but I do get in my lifting. Although my workout routine is shifting a little bit. I'm no longer going to be lifting as much and I'm going to be focusing a lot more on long distance running. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, that's, for the tougher mutter? Well, I'm doing, uh, I don't mean to be harping on the, the, the exact language, but it's for the toughest mutter. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's for, for anyone who hasn't followed me on social media, there's tough mutter, tougher mutter and toughest mutter. Toughest mutter is a five mile course, eight hours overnight, as many loops of the five mile course as you can do. So I've never been a distance runner, so I'm actually starting, like, essentially marathon training because the day of the toughest, I want to be able to do between 30 and 40 miles. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's not an ultra, though, more or less. It's yeah, <laughs> close to. It's very, very close to. Um That's the goal, man, but, you know, we got to – I, I – 
I have to think of new, crazy, and insane ways to challenge myself. Yeah, that's rad. I was actually thinking about doing the, I guess it would be the tougher next time. Um, just to, cause I, that was my third tough mutter that we met on. And I was kind of like, that was the first one I did by myself. And I was like, okay, that was rad, but I'm kind of bored now and I need a new goal. <laughs> I think you could definitely, uh, you could definitely have a blast doing the tougher mutter. It's, it's a little bit more competitive. I just did it because it added, they added some different twists to the obstacles. So, I think you could beast it. <laughs> <laughs> is it timed? It's timed, right? Or it, something? It is timed. It is timed. Um, one of the reasons I usually choose to do the tougher wave, though, is because it's the first wave in the morning, and it means I, I get out there and can do it before the course gets too crowded. Oh, I hear you. I paid the extra $10 to get the, the 8 a.m. start wave. <laughs> oh, yeah? That's awesome. Yeah, I... I just like to finish it early, you know, not get it over with, but like, yeah, I don't want to be there at like 11 o'clock starting. Yeah. Well, and it was, it was, I was, I was supposed to do the Northern California tougher mutter as well, but it, they canceled it because Northern California, you know, is on fire. Yeah. (laughs) So literally the course where they were going to have the tough mutter has like burned to the ground. Oh man, that's terrible. Yeah, it's 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 not it's not good. Luckily they're they're starting to get everything under control. But I signed up for the tougher just because I was up there visiting friends and I don't want to get done with the course at like one, two or three and then not have any time to hang out. So I figure do the first wave and then I've got the entire rest of the day to hang out with my friends, go grab brunch, you know, do whatever you need to do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. How did you get into Tough Mudders? Um, it was, I actually had a, um, so I went to school in Flagstaff at NAU and, um, Really? Did we discuss this? Yeah. No. Cause I, I was born and raised in Tempe, Arizona. I went to Arizona State. Oh, really? No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm originally from Pittsburgh and, um, I went to NAU for grad school. Um, and I mean, that's where I met my wife and, and like, uh, you know, her, obviously her family, um, she's originally from Chicago, but her and her immediate family moved to Phoenix when she was 14 or so. But yeah, we met at NAU. I went there for two years, uh, for grad school. That's awesome. Okay. So, so you went to NAU for grad school and how, how did that lead to Tough Mudders? So one of my, uh, wife's closest friends, um, her uh, now husband, but boyfriend at the time, is an ex uh, Navy helicopter diver, and he was just super into them. And he was just telling me like, "Hey, you should do them. You should do them." And then um, uh, we—I never did it while I was in Arizona, but we got to Dallas, and it was—it was coming. Uh, like you know, they were doing the tour thing, and I just kind of suggested it to my wife. I was like, "We should do this. It sounds rad." And there was actually a team of us, uh, one of my gym buddies, um, was doing it and I was talking to him. He's like, you should join our team. So we're like, all right, let's do it. So the, the first one that we did was actually in Austin and I think that was 2014. Um, but it's, I've always been like super into like fantasy nerd stuff. And to me, like when I heard about it, I was like, that sounds like an epic, like quest. (laughs) So 
I, I was like, I was all into it. And yeah, so me and my wife did it in 2014, just as like, hey, something fitnessy to do. Cause she, she actually taught fitness classes in college for NAU. And then um, right now she's a math teacher, but she teaches fitness classes at like LA Fitness on the side. So both of us have always been into fitnessy things and challenges and stuff. So that's, that's pretty much how I got into it. And yeah, so I, I did one last year with a buddy of mine. And then uh, this year was the first one, like I said, that I did by myself. Uh, is your this is this, I have a reason for this question, but is your wife interested in doing any more? Uh, absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> I yeah she she told me that she would do this year's with me if I wanted to, which is sort of like uh, code language from your wife of saying <laughs> I don't want to do this, but I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, she, she not, so she's totally into the fitness side of it, but she's just not into the obstacle, like getting muddy and electrocuted and stuff like, it's just not her thing. Yeah, but I sure. did recruit my brother. So me, me and my brother are doing New Orleans in March uh, of 2018. Oh, dude, I will see you there. Are you doing it? I'm doing it. Um, yeah. And so if you, if you want to get a similar start time or if you want to start first wave, the team name, as soon as I get my season pass. Uh, the team name is uh-huh. Dumbbells and Dragons. So if you want to get together and run it together, or at least start it together. Oh, definitely, man. That'd be awesome. Yeah, and, yeah uh, for sure. Uh, I was actually very, very similar. I started getting into Tough Mudders about four and a half years ago. And I've had two serious, significant others during that time. And both have done one. And they're like, never again. <laughs> never again. Now, yeah, <laughs> is 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 your wife at least willing to go out and support you and spectate? Oh yeah, for sure. She lo- like she actually says like she enjoys watching me compete. So I've done uh, two half marathon. Like last year, I did two half marathons, a five k, a ten k, a tough mutter. She loves to watch me. Um, she's just she's not really a runner. She doesn't get the same enjoyment out of it that I do. And then she really just the whole Tough Mudder experience. She's just not into it, but loves it. She brings my daughter and my mother-in-law comes out and everything. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, dude. And it's it's like that's that's kind of where the support is. I I love having people out there just to cheer me on. I would much rather have them on the course with me uh, because I've seen how Tough Mudder can change people's lives. Yeah. And... And so it's just, but if they're, at least they're spectating, it always makes me feel good. Uh, and they get the best pictures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, th- like one of the coolest things about this race that people don't realize is the camaraderie that you get. Like even, I mean, like, look at us, perfect example. I had no clue who you were beforehand. And then the group of guys that also, like I met on the, on the course, like, it's just like, almost like a, a fraternity sort of thing, like between like tough mutters, like you kind of like, you're all in those trenches together, just trying to get through. You're absolutely right. I actually, um, starting actually this year, I actually got really, really serious about, you know, committing to those friendships that I had made on the course and following up with people and keeping in communication via social media. And I can tell you that there are some of the greatest people on the planet uh, that run Tough Mudders. There's a couple people where 
one guy is planning on coming out for Southern California. And I was like, hey, if you need a place to stay, you absolutely can stay with me. And this is a guy that I had just met once or twice. And we spent four hours together on the Tough Mudder course. You know, yeah. <laughs> and and likewise, when he was like, hey, man, if you ever run the Philadelphia one, you always have a ride. You always have a place to stay. So it's just it's that sort of camaraderie that goes past the uh, it goes outside the course is what I want to say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so, yeah. Anyways. Uh, and if you ever want to make a return to uh, Arizona, I am planning kind of a big thing for the Arizona Tough Mudder uh, in 2018. I haven't run it in two years, so I have a lot of uh, friends and family in Arizona, and a lot of them have been like, oh, I'll totally run it with you if you run one in Arizona. And it just <laughs> it was at a point in my life where I wasn't able to make it back to Arizona for the last two Tough Mudders. So... Okay. Yeah, so I'm very excited, and you're uh, you're absolutely more than invited to join us on that one. Yeah, man. I mean, my wife, we've been trying to figure out a reason to get back, and um, it's it, if the dates work out, I, I mean, I could run one every weekend if I could. <laughs> like, yeah. I love these things. They're so much fun, and um, yeah, I, I, I would love to. I'll talk with the fam about it, but that'd be rad. And I'm sure this isn't going to be too much of a challenge for you, but... Uh, I've always, uh, I started running both days, you know, I'll sign up for Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Especially if I'm traveling, it just makes it, it makes it much more worthwhile to get two more under my belt. Yeah, for sure. And Saturday is the one where it's like, I run, I try to get, you know, I try to physically push myself. And then Sunday is all about having fun and seeing how many people we can help and all that other stuff. Yeah, yeah, that sounds, I mean, honestly, like, I've never thought about doing it both days, but I felt, I mean, I worked out the day on Sunday after, like, I did legs, <laughs> so <laughs> I was, like, thinking about it, I was thinking about it this time, I was like, I could totally have done the, the Sunday one, and of course, my wife was like, you're absolutely not, you're crazy. <laughs> Dude, you're a beast, you are a beast. <laughs> um, so, what did you do? to work out nerd out this past week. And what I mean by that is it's a user defined question. So you choose how you want to work out or nerd out, but one physical thing you did and then one kind of nerdy thing you did. Um, well, I mean, physical is pretty much every day in my life, man. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I, so, I mean, I, I can describe you a typical day in, in Matt's life and, the good thing about it is I work out every day and my job is literally to nerd out every day. So <laughs> I wake up at four thirty or sorry, four o'clock and, um, I get ready for the gym in the gym. I do some sort of lift. Um, you know, in the morning I go to work at eight and, um, I typically do a second workout around lunchtime where we have a parking garage and I'll run uh, the stairs. What do you do? I'm a geologist. Um, actually, uh, I work for an energy company here in Dallas. So my my particular job is pretty much to do data analysis and data integration on oil and gas wells. And um, pretty much I figure out what happened and how we can make it better. And it's just a boatload of data all day. Wow. Yeah. And it's it's funny because my, my graduate degree... So this is this is like super nerdy stuff, but my undergrad was in archaeology, 
with a minor in uh, geology, and then I went to grad school for low temperature geochemistry, and then got recruited by my current company, um, and have been working there for the past six and a half years. Dude, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, so, um, okay, so then at lunch, you get in your second workout. Yeah, yeah. So at lunch, I get, and I, like I said, I typically, we have a, like a five story, uh, actually it's eight story parking garage and I'll run each one of the stairwells, um, four times. So I do four loops. So it's like 16 stair sprints and I'll, um, run across like the top, but it's like, it's a pretty good half hour of like hit training. And so I'll do that pretty much every day, um, uh, of the work week. Um, so that's like my workout every day. And then nerd out, like I said, man, I pretty much get paid to be a super geek and just look at data. <laughs> I, I get, it's funny. I get paid to think that's pretty much what I get paid to do and try to figure out problems. That's awesome. I get paid to argue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's some of that too in my job, man. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> no. uh, how did you get into archeology? span So it's, it's kind of a funny story. So, um, I, so out of high school, I went to community college um, because I literally had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I thought the only professions out there were like lawyer, doctor, you know, like your typical things. And um, I went to community college and just uh, I I didn't like it there and I didn't do well. I mean, I had like a 2.1, which is terrible for me. Um, and then I wanted to transfer to a, a real small state school in Pennsylvania called IUP. And there I just went to the transfer orientation and just honestly just looked at the list and I was like, archaeology sounds rad. I'll do that. And so <laughs> I got into archaeology that way and I didn't even realize what it was because most people think archaeology is geology, where archaeology is the study of the human experience. Geology is the study of the earth and geoscience and stuff. So, um yeah, I got I got into the archaeology program there, and it's hilarious because I had a two point one coming out of community college, and then I got like a three point nine all through undergrad. <laughs> so it was just I didn't have a passion in community college, and then you get to you know something that you're really into, and yeah, it's just that's kind of how I got into it. And I actually spent a month in Mongolia with an internship with the Smithsonian, doing some archaeological research. It was pretty rad, dude. That's awesome yeah it was pretty fun <laughs> that's that just sounds like i have no like i have no background or interest in some of that stuff but just to be like yeah i did this awesome thing for a month in mongolia with the smithsonian like <laughs> like that just sounds beyond rad and i just want to like for everyone out there listening i just think it's so you're the perfect example of you were struggling because you didn't have any, you know, cause you weren't passionate about what you were doing and then you found your passion and now you're excelling at it and you've been doing it for six and a half years. You're making a living at it while you're doing the other things you love, raising a family, working out, doing tough mutters. And it's like, if we could convince more people to focus on their passions then life would be a much, much happier place. Yeah, dude. And I mean, you forgot about like, so I actually have a thyroid disease too, Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disease where I don't produce thyroid hormone. And then I'm also type one diabetic. <laughs> really? So it's, 
Yeah, man. So it's like, it's one, one of my goals, like everybody has those sort of like, you know, this is what I really want to do. Like one of my goals is to show type one specifically. And then just the rest of the world, like you can do whatever you want. All you got to do is put your mind to it. And like Mongolia was one of those things because like I literally went to a country that doesn't have quote unquote Western medical care as a type one diabetic. Whereas if I don't have insulin, I die. Like it's a death sentence. So I went there, I made the preparations, but I mean, I survived and had a blast. Like you just adapt. And you know, if you want to do something, you know, and you're truly passionate about it, you go out there and you do it, whether it's running a half marathon, a marathon, a tough mud going to Mongolia, you just make it happen. Well, and that's such a good point because I, people, think I'm crazy even when I'm on a Tough Mudder course on a Saturday or Sunday and they find out that I'm doing the other day and they're, <laughs> like, and they're like how do you do that and I'm like well usually Sunday I go slower but it's it's about what are you willing what obstacles are you willing to overcome yeah Exactly. Like you could have, you could have let yourself be paralyzed by fear and being like, okay, what if I don't have my insulin? You know, I could die on this trip, but you took the time you prepped, you made sure you had enough insulin. You probably made sure you had more than enough insulin. And, you know, you probably had plans C, D and E just in case something went wrong. I don't know. I might be presumptuous here, but it's about what are you willing what are you, actually what are you not willing to get in to let get in your way yeah exactly i mean what one of the things that like and this this kind of goes like beyond dying from diabetes without insulin but like one of the things that everybody's afraid of is failure right like we're all afraid to failure of failure because we're told that that's a bad thing but like one of the things, and I actually use this motto at work because it's extremely important for what I do for a living, but like, you you know, as we define failure as a negative connotation or a negative thing, you, you know, it's not negative if you learn something from it. Whether you don't finish Tough Mudder, well, why didn't you finish? Oh, because I didn't do enough cardio. Well, next time you do it, you do more cardio. Like if you, you know, for me at work, like if you drilled a bad well or something, why, why was it bad? Define bad. So the next time you don't make that same mistake. So you know, failure doesn't have to be a bad thing. It's a lesson. And as long as you learn something from it, it's never a bad thing. Yeah, it was, I, I was listening to this, uh, they're called muscle prodigy and it's spoken word, quote unquote music over like insane, epic pump you up tracks. Oh, cool. <laughs> and, and yeah, it's really awesome. Like if you ever need a pick me up or just to get pumped up or motivated, I highly recommend Muscle Prodigy. One of their lines is fail so much that it becomes a habit. That's red. <laughs> and it's, it's, if you fail enough times, it no longer paralyzes you. Yeah. And I mean, you're, and also, I mean, embedded in that it's, you're challenging yourself. Like, I mean, how boring would your life be if you just sat at home, like on the couch and did nothing like that would be, I mean, for me, that would be, it would be exhausting doing that rather than doing the physical things that I do, or even the mental stimulation. Like when you fail, you know that you're challenging yourself. And I mean, as a, as a, a people, like a human race, like we're meant to be challenged. Oh yeah. And it's, it's, it's about what you can overcome and what you can do. And it's 
all the time you're hearing people say, oh, someone should fix this, someone should do this, someone should do that, we all forget that we are someone. Yeah. So that's – anyways, anyways. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like the human race is so much more capable than what we actually do. Imagine if we didn't binge 13 hours on Netflix. Yeah. I mean, sometimes that's needed, maybe, just to relax. But, yeah, for sure. I see what you're saying. Uh, you know, absolutely. If you, you know, like, I've got, um, for you, I don't know if you knew, but for everyone out there who else doesn't know, is uh, by day I'm an attorney. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. So I'm in, I have a trial on Tuesday, and then I have a trial next week. So pretty much, as soon as I get off this uh, podcast, I'm hitting the books and I'm trial prepping and I'm working and it's a Sunday here. So I did work some work yesterday, but it's like this, I'm going to be eating, breathing, living these trials for the next two weeks. And then as soon as it's done, like I'm not going to be doing a thing except just like vegging out and chilling because I will have been running nonstop for two weeks. Yeah, man. It's absolutely necessary, but you can't, you can't let a treat become the new normal. Yeah, it can't be a habit for sure. Yeah. Well, that, and that's the thing is like, you know, I think too, as a human race, like we have a hard time with balance. And I, you know, personally, like, you know, it's funny, I got asked in an interview, um, actually for my job, like, what are your greatest strengths and weaknesses? One of my greatest strengths is like, I work really hard. And that's also the biggest downfall I have. And I mean, my wife will tell you, I don't rest. Like I work out seven days a week, typically twice a day. And I don't let my body rest. And I just, I, for me, I crave the challenge. But that's also a huge, huge uh, downfall when you come to like, if I were to do competitive bodybuilding, like you need to rest, you need to grow your muscles. And that goes for mental stimulation as well. Like, I mean, I mean, I'm sure everybody has done like overnighters in college. Like if you did that every night, you would be useless because you didn't rest. Yeah. So it's definitely one of those things where like, yeah, you need to allow yourself to rest, recuperate, but yeah, don't make that a habit. Don't, you know, stranger, what stranger things comes out Friday and like watch the season in one night, but don't make that a habit of watching it every night. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, see, what, here's where I'm actually like, this is where the balance comes in. Uh, Friday night, I'm going from work to Vegas for the Vegas tough mutter. And when I get there, I'm going to be chilling in my hotel, probably watch a few episodes, and then I'm going to run the Tough Mudder. So there's your balance. There you go. <laughs> and, uh, on this topic, and what you said, you said something that really resonated with me about um, human beings have a tough time with balance. Uh, have you ever read the book The Circle by Dave Eggers? I haven't. Okay. It's essentially about, um, quote unquote, dystopian future. It's not really dystopian, but this social media platform, The Circle, has taken over these people's lives. And it's like, for their job, they have to interact so many times on so many posts. And this girl, the main character completely lose like she used to be an avid runner and a kayaker and then she gets this job and she spends all of her time 
commenting on photos about other people kayaking. <laughs> so it's um, it's a brilliant book. I haven't finished it yet, but that is my recommendation to everyone out there listening. Just go go get the audio book of The Circle. It's great. But uh, the reason we got you on is we wanted to talk a little bit about how you got into a vegan lifestyle and how that's actually helped you grow as an athlete. So how did you get into, I don't want to call it veganism, but how did you get into a vegan diet? Yeah. So it's actually kind of interesting. So, um, we had my daughter, uh, June of 2015 and then pretty much, I don't know if you have kids, but, um, she, Freya is our first kid. Um, and she pretty much takes over your life. I mean, you live and breathe your kid and, um, I actually gained a substantial amount of weight. So the dad bod is a real thing. Um, it's <laughs> happened, it's happened to many of my friends cause we've all sort of had kids around the same time. And so I, I kind of don't look my weight from what people tell me. So when we had her, I was 220 and then at my biggest, um, and flabbiest, I was 270. And so, um, I've posted pictures of before and after on social media. So you can see what I mean by biggest. But, um, yeah, so from there, uh, I actually started working with an online trainer. Um, his, his group name is a train, like team a train. And, um, what he did is he coached me on macro training. So, uh, just counting macros and stuff, which is slightly different than calories. Um, if people want to go research it, there's tons of resources out there, yeah. but, um, with with that, um, I, I kind of really what it does is it, it forces you to pay attention to what you're eating. Um, so yeah, salads are healthy. And so you put the gallon of dressing on it and then it becomes very unhealthy very quickly. Um, and so for, through that experience, I signed up with him for one year. Um, what I did is I ended up eating less and less, um, like processed grains and, um, fatty meats and everything. And, went to more and more vegetables because that's what fit my macro for volume. And I'm a volume eater. Like I'm one of those people that could eat, you know, three pounds of food and be like, okay, when's the other three pounds going to get here? So I just constantly am hungry. And, um, what happened from there is I just introduced more and more vegetables into my life. And when our contract was coming to an end, I wanted to keep up, you know, this sort of like fitness lifestyle and, I went and got my online nutrition cert really just for myself, uh, self-education on the subject, not really to train people or anything like that. Um, and so when I did that, I, there was a passage that resonated with me and it was that people that eat a plant-based lifestyle tend to be healthier and it put in quotes like at a cellular level. And I was like, that's interesting. And at the same time, one of my coworkers who has been plant-based for five years, just started talking to me about it. And we, we had conversations back and forth. And I just told my wife, I was like, Hey, why don't we just try this for a month? And, um, we, uh, decided that, yeah, we'll do this for a month, see how we feel. And we kind of set a few rules of, we weren't going to count calories just because we were really concerned about the food because we're food people. Um, you know, we won't count calories. We won't count calories. We won't be like worried about the cost because you're always told that like eating that tip type of lifestyle is ex more expensive. And then we won't be worried about wasting food. Um, as far as like, I don't want to eat X if it's disgusting because I don't want to literally leave a bad taste in my mouth. So we started that, um, 
uh, experiment and it only took a week and I watched about like four documentaries on Netflix and a lot of them have, um, the, uh, factory farming animal, animal abuse section in it. And then from there it, it was more of an ethical choice and it had anything to do with health. But that was how I got into it. And um, one of the biggest things for both me and my wife is bodybuilding um, because we both like to lift. Um, we both like to have that strong physique. And we were always concerned. And like you talk to any vegan and the one number one question is, where do you eat your protein from? Well, we through research and it doesn't take much is you realize that like plants have a ton of protein in it, like broccoli and mushrooms. There's tons of mock meats out there um, that you can find protein from and even mimic um uh, meats and everything like that. And we actually volunteered with a group of, um, athletes. The, the group is called plant built and it's made up of athletes from all over the world that are all vegan and they're crossfitters, they're kettle, kettlebellers, competitive bodybuilders, uh, power lifters, which is like people's eyes light up when you see, yeah. And uh, it was at the naturally fit games in Austin. And, um, the, we, I was actually in charge of taking pictures of the power lifters and my wife actually was the social media person for Instagram. So posting all the pictures and stuff. And I'll tell you what, it was like pretty immaculate seeing these vegan athletes participate in win versus the, uh, traditional omnivorous athletes. It was amazing because it's just like stereotypes getting shot out of the air, uh, left and right when, you know, you saw these vegan athletes take home first place versus omnivores in a powerlifting competition. So that really solidified it for me and my wife um, beyond ethics. It, it really, for, from a health perspective, that like, yeah, you can not only survive on this type of diet, but you can thrive on it. And um, there's, I mean, there's, there's tons of um, experience that I've had with myself and with diabetes that this type of diet is definitely... Um, I, I hate the word health, like healthy diet, um, because it means so many different things to so many different people. Like, for example, people are like, oh, chicken, brown rice, and broccoli, that's healthy. But for me, I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> but um, it, it's definitely better for my body um, as far as insulin resistance goes and everything like um, experiences that I've had is, and if anybody's a type one out there, like I ate 100 grams of carbohydrates and get, did not give myself a bolus. Like that's huge. Oh, wow. <laughs> like typically... Typically, I would give myself 10 units of insulin where I gave zero and my blood sugars were fine. And a lot of it has to do with the types of carbohydrates that you eat. Um, so like 100 grams of carbohydrates coming from chocolate is way different than 100 grams coming from like a mixed vegetable salad sort of thing. Yeah. So it's just it's just a lot of it comes down to the type of foods that you put into your body. But for me, I mean, I've noticed a huge change in um, my health from just how my body processes, how it feels. Like I went from drinking so much coffee before to really I only drink it for the taste now because like it's getting colder out. Like I like coffee, so I'm going to drink it. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much how we got into it. And like I said, it was initially for health reasons and more of an experiment, but now it's, it's definitely um, more of an ethical and health thing combined, but pretty much ethics. Like we, we went to the Texas Veggie Fair yesterday and it was like a, a festival. It's kind of cra- like Texas, like you think of barbecue, but yeah, there's a veggie fair. And I like, we went around and there's like everything from vegan donuts, uh, vegan barbecue, vegan Mexican food, everything's there. And 
um, talking to a lot of the animal rights activists there was pretty cool just getting to hear their stories and everything. But yeah, man, I mean, I can go on for days about this topic. Um, but yeah, that's how we got into it. Now, how would you, re- well, it's, it's interesting what you say because of all these powerlifters and all these serious athletes who are thriving on a vegan diet. And I think it just, from what you're saying is it just takes a little bit more planning, a little bit, uh, a little bit more education and taking the time to make sure you're getting all your nutrients from other sources. You know, kind of, it's kind of funny that like, so the, I think, I think it's, it's more of an adjustment than anything. So like, for example, if you go to a foreign country, like you don't just start diving in and eating all the food. You kind of check it out and like, okay, what is this? What is that? That's kind of the way that I think about like the transition to becoming like vegan. It's like, it's, it's like once you get into it and you understand all the foods and, and the actual nutritional profile behind it, it's one of those things where it's like, Oh, okay. I could have should have done this a long time ago. But as far as the planning goes, like, when we first started, we ate a lot of mock meats, whether that's um, tofu, which is basically, basically pressed soybeans, um, tempeh, and that's fermented soybeans, and then um, seitan, which is a wheat gluten. Those are like really your three main mock meats um, that, could, that are going to make up your mock meats aside from other things that are like pea protein based. But those are the, the most popular ones. Like we ate a ton of that stuff at the beginning. And honestly, now I don't. I don't track my protein content other than like I, I use my fit pal just because I need to know the carbohydrate count for my insulin. That's the only reason why I count it. But there's days that I don't mean to eat as much protein as I do. Like for, for a snack before the podcast, I had uh, a bag of vegetables um, just from like Kroger, just microwave bag. And then a can of chickpeas. And there's like a, I mean, there's a decent amount of protein in there and that's no, no meat, no dairy, no eggs, nothing like that. So it, when, when I think it's just like sort of education is really the foundation of it is just like trying to figure out what's out there. And when you do, when you actually do the research on it, like for me, I realized that I'm getting a better nutritional profile as, as a vegan eating things that I'm not intentionally trying to get that nutritional profile from if that makes sense yeah it's really crazy man like all the vegetables and the phytonutrients and the micronutrients especially like i just i don't even i just i'm like oh red peppers mushrooms broccoli and cauliflower that sounds rad and just you know you put in the oven you do whatever you want with it and then they have it i mean and and i get like like same thing with like the physical aspect. I get super bored with the same thing over and over again. And I've made everything from like vegan queso, like myself to strombolis because Silvio were Italian. So I've made strombolis, pizzas. Like, I mean, you can make anything that you want out there and veganize it. It's super easy. And like, you know, thank goodness for in the modern age where Google's around, you Google something like this weekend, actually tonight, I'm going to make um, vegan ice cream. Nice. So, yeah. So, and there's just tons of recipes out there for it. And so it's extremely easy to do it. And nowadays, especially like it's kind of annoying that it seems like the vegan movement is super popular because we can't ever find any of the foods we want in the grocery store because they're always sold out. So <laughs> it's, it seems like it's definitely becoming a, a more and more popular thing. That's awesome. Well, and I just want to, I just want to throw out there for people who may not know 
vegan does not automatically mean healthy. No, absolutely. But you know, like that's the funny thing is when you talk about fairs, like French fries are a hundred percent vegan and they are a hundred percent not something that you definitely want to eat every single day. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, the vegan does not mean healthy. And, and that's a really good point, Kenny. Like, what the, my coworker it classifies himself not as a vegan, but as somebody who's whole food plant based. And there is a definite difference there. Whereas, um, veganism is the abstinence from anything that is made from or comes from an animal. And that's more of a social movement, whereas whole food plant-based is a definite dietary um, label where you eat like whole food plant-based um, foods. And they, these, these people who are whole food plant-based, they still may wear like leather, um, use animal products in that sense. It's really more of a dietary choice. So like when we, and, and there is a, a gray line between it. And it's one of those things where like veganism is, it can be whole food plant-based and whole food plant-based can be vegan, but they're, they are in a sense, um, exclusive to one another in some regards. Yeah. And, and I can see that. And it's important. I thank you for making that distinction. And, uh, after we're done here, I'm going to ask you to email me some links just so I can throw it in the show notes. And, sure. uh, and just so if, if other people want to do a little bit more research, they can, uh, before we move on to Willow, what do you think is the best way for somebody to start going to a whole food plant-based diet? So I would definitely, I mean, just because we're, um, we're in an age where we need more hours in the day, I would say documentaries. Like there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of good books out there, um, that you could probably read, but I mean, I don't have time to like, I wish I had more time to read, but I just don't. Um, but what the health, like that's a huge documentary that has been, you know, made available on Netflix. Um, it's a good introduction to, you know, the benefits of, uh, a whole food plant-based diet. And then if you just research the topic, you're going to find a lot of resources out there. Um, as far as like, there's a, there's a documentary, I'm forgetting the name of it now, but if you've ever seen products by the company engine two, he, the, the person who made this is the son of one of the main, um, uh, uh, doctors who push forward the whole food plant-based and they, there's like tons of uh, resource guides, like on his website. Um, I can actually email you a link to a, like get start, like a, what is it? A get starting guide to whole food plant-based where it outlines like fairly uh, quickly. It's like a chapters on like how to transition to it, health ben everything from health benefits, environmental, what foods you want to use, all sorts of stuff like that. But um, really, it's you know, googling is like the best thing for it, honestly. Um, and you know, people can feel free to reach out to me if they want to. I can give you all my information, like because we we had an experience that was I would not not what I would recommend. Like we went vegan overnight, like oh, and. Wow. There, there is some drawbacks to that, especially in the digestive realm, because your body is not used to that amount of fiber. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things where everybody's like, oh, yeah, you'll feel much better. You're going to feel great. And you will. But like your body, your body has to adjust, too. And there's tons of studies on it um, from like the microbiome switches. And one thing that I will say is there's a website. It's called nutritionfacts.org. Uh, Dr. Michael Greger, um, he's the sort of the facilitator of it and he has a team of, uh, doctors and volunteers who run it. But essentially what this man does is he 
um, is he, he self proclaims that he reads every single English, English language, um, nutrition article that's available. And then he essentially does like five minute summary videos on the takeaways from them. Oh, wow. And so his, I mean, he is motivated by a whole food plant-based, um, uh, perspective of things, but there are scientific articles. And I mean, scientific is one of those things that like I kind of lump in with health is where like I've seen plenty of scientists make very poor scientific assertions, but his seem to be fairly sound. Well, he'll give the positives and negatives behind it and everything like that. Um, but that's a really good website to get, you know, sort of like science founded answers to things. And he goes over everything from like, you know, um, uh, uh, diabetes to obesity to like if it's you know you're having poor air quality what vegetables do you eat to help out with that so that's a really great resource wow that's awesome and i'm um thanks for those resources and i am gonna throw them up on the show notes page so everyone can go and get them um all right let's let's uh anything else in regards to whole food plant-based or vegan that we need to talk about or should we jump into willow we can get into willow man i would just say that any anybody who is um type one has hashimoto's or is interested in a plant-based lifestyle um they can feel free to contact like me or like i can give them any resources or anything like that um i'm totally open to give any advice like i said before i can talk to, to days about the topic but um, we have other pressing issues to get to. <laughs> <laughs> and and we will uh, include all your contact information in the show notes as well. Whatever information you want to uh, throw out there, we'll include in the show notes. Awesome. Yeah. So did you get a chance to rewatch Willow? I did. And I'll tell you what, man, it was like, it was so rad. So I started it on Friday and I actually found it on YouTube. Go figure. The full feature film is on YouTube. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so it's, you know, for free. You don't have to do that or do any um, uh, sort of secretive uh, ways, to <laughs> backdoor ways. <laughs> you don't have to torrent it like I did? <laughs> no, no, it's just like right on YouTube. And yeah, like I, I was just like Friday after we have my uh, company does like half days on Fridays. We do like a modified work schedule. And so Friday afternoons, um, I'll watch my daughter get her from daycare. And uh, I actually had Willow on. And so me and my daughter were watching Willow, which was a like out of body experience because me and my brother used to watch this movie as kids, right? So it was super rad to be able to watch it with her. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I I rewatched it. I want to say Thursday night. I got through a majority of it, but then it became midnight, and I was like, I'm getting up in a few hours. I need to. <laughs> I need to stop this. So I didn't get to watch the end, but. I just, I love, I love that movie. It's so good. Val Kilmer at one of his best. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, and I, you know, watching it like as an adult, cause I mean, I haven't seen it in a super long time and like, I didn't realize how funny this movie was. Like, especially some of the lines that he comes up with. Like I was literally laughing out loud at a lot of the stuff that he says and just his, his sort of like anti-hero character ish in a way. Yeah. So if people if people don't know what Willow is, the film from the 1980s starring Val Kilmer and Warwick Davis, and essentially evil queen controls this fantasy realm, and a child is prophesized to essentially be her be her downfall. So of course she does what evil queens do and tries to kill the child. <laughs> so yeah. Anyways, through circumstances 
Warwick Davis ends up getting the child and teams up with uh, Val Kilmer, and that's 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 the movie. And then shenanigans ensue. <laughs> do you? I wanted to ask you. Do you know if this was this wasn't a book before it was a movie, right? It was just the movie. Oh, I have no idea. That's. I think I think it was just the movie. And like one thing. Okay, so another like super nerdy thing about me is like I was actually a double major at one time in undergrad. Actually, I had two majors and two minors, but the other one was in religious studies. And so not the practice of, but the actual like study of religions. And when I was watching this, I was like, whoa, this is like totally like, you know, founded in some religious myths and lores too. Like whenever, uh, uh, Willow finds, uh, Alora Dannon in the river, like that's Moses, right? Yeah. Like that's the story of, as I was like, what is going on? Like that's totally crazy. And like the whole prophecy of a child and like, you know, the infant sort of infanticide aspect of it. I was like, this is crazy. Like how that came about. But I didn't know if you noticed that, but I just, it kind of like struck me. It was like, whoa, that's kind of crazy. Uh, and so a little bit of craziness here. I just pulled up the Wikipedia, um, story written by George Lucas. Oh yeah. I was completely unaware of that. Um, I got a, Oh no, he didn't write it. It was just, he came up with the loose story. Um, and I think, George Lucas is good at coming up with stories, just not good at writing them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but... And the way you and I got... To, I I can't remember what it was. I think it was... We were talking about... Because at the end of Tough Mudders, they always give you a free finisher beer. And I brought up something that it was like... At least once during every course, I usually go, which is how one of the characters in Willow says beer after he gets dropped into a vat of beer. Uh, and then you and I just like started quoting Willow back at one another. Um, yeah, yeah. It was that. So I, I had listened to a few of your podcasts. Which the, the first of all, mm. the, the fact that you call them dragons is like absolutely amazing. And so <laughs> I, I love I love fantasy, but I love comedy too, and especially Will Ferrell and the the the, the scene in Step Brothers where um, him and John C. Riley are like, you know, you have to call me Nighthawk and you have to call me Dragon. Well, <laughs> me, me, me and me and my brother actually got knights, or we got a hawk and a dragon tattoo. So I'm Dragon. And my brother is Nighthawk, and we got them Christmas Eve of, like, 2012. It was absolutely ridiculous, but I have a dragon tattoo underneath my rib cage, and it has, um, yeah, so I'm, awesome. I'm dragon. And it just, it's like, when you, when I heard that, I was like, this is, like, the raddest, like, thing I've ever heard in my life, so, but super <laughs> tangent, but. <laughs> I, I dig it. Thank you for saying so. I appreciate it. Um, so what is your favorite part? of willow like your favorite scene oh so it's i mean i don't know if it's a one single scene but it's whenever um willow and the gang come across uh val kilmer whose character is mad mardigan he's actually trapped in a, a i think it's a crow cage they call it so yeah. one of the like medieval prisons where like the offender will be on display for everybody to ridicule and poke at literally but um so when they come across him in there and just the stuff he says um like so 
Willow was given two magic acorns by um, his village's sorcerer or like magician, and the acorns turn whomever you throw it at into stone. And the scene is um, where Willow is kind of, you know, trying to puff himself up and be a tough guy. And in in his heart, he's completely sort of like um, um, uh, non uh, uh, not confident at all, but he's trying to portray this image. And he he tells Mad Mardigan, he holds up these acorns, you know, I have these magic acorns. And the, they always refer to um, the, uh, the little people in the film as pecs, quote unquote. And Val Kilmer goes, oh, no, there's a peck with magic acorns aimed at me or something like that. And, <laughs> and it's just the stuff that he says in there that's just it, he ridicules everybody. Like, I just that's that's one of my favorite scenes is the, is the whole peck comment. And he's just so sarcastic and even though he's stuck in this cage, he's just sarcastic and biting and just smarmy. Yeah, just his his entire character, the way that he plays his character is absolutely hilarious. Like, I think it's definitely, like, his best role ever. Yeah. Oh, Val Kilmer's best role ever? Yeah, I I suit, like... For 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 me at least, like just the the way that he handled the character and the way that he played the character so well, I loved it. See, I I do love this movie. Uh, I was actually having a conversation with my cousins about it last night because my cousin Andy also loves this movie, and I although I have to say my all time favorite Val Kilmer movie is Real Genius. Oh yeah, I could see that. I could see that. And it's just, that's kind of more, like, just that prankster, rebel-type vibe. Yeah. I, just, I just thought he t- completely embodied that character. Um, so do you think Willow holds up 30 years after it's made? I Actually, you know, I was thinking about this, and there's some movies that you're like, you see it as a kid, and you're like, this is the best thing since sliced bread, and then you see it as an adult, and you're like, how did I even deal with this? And to me, it's like it's on par with like Goonies and all that stuff, like where I can watch it today and love it just as much as I did when I was a kid. Like, yeah, the graphics are, you know, 19, late 1980s graphics. But for I'm sure for back in the day, like they were awesome. Like the the two headed monster, like the troll monster thing. Like I still look at it today. I'm like, you know, put it in perspective. Not that bad. Like it could have been way worse. And like the trolls, like they're there. They look like trolls. I mean. But I think for me, like, it's definitely something that completely holds up. Like, I can watch it and just, like, laugh and feel the angst and everything like that. Like, this, yeah, it totally holds up with me. I love this movie. That's awesome. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you and I could, uh, could get in a rewatch of this movie. And for both of us, it still holds up. Um, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, so... I've kept you for about an hour, my friend. I want to thank you very, very much for your time. Oh, no, man. There's my, pleasure was all mine. And in the interest of wrapping up, do you have any shout-outs? Is there anyone you want to just give a shout-out to on the podcast today? Yeah, dude. Um, I mean, well, first of all, like my wife, uh, Brianna, who just puts up with all of my shenanigans and my races and stuff like that. Um, she's awesome. And my kid, Freya, who... We didn't actually get to talk about, but I'm sure most people that listen to this podcast recognize the name Freya. And yes, it's from the Norse goddess. Um, I actually got the, 
we actually got the name idea from a video game called Viking. Um, the one of the characters was Freya, yada yada yada. But um, other than that, um, there is somebody who's been like increasingly important to uh, my wife and I. Uh, his name's Jordan, and his um, his handle is at Conscious Muscle, and he's basically a vegan bodybuilder, and he's a self proclaimed vegan Viking bodybuilder. <laughs> but he's just an awesome dude who's based out of Florida, who. Um, he has a farm rescue where he rescues a ton of animals. And um, if you buy like a t-shirt from him or you do like he trains people too, like he donates it to a uh, another animal rescue as well as he's trying to um, open up one of his um, or expand his even more. But he's just a really awesome dude, full of knowledge and everything. Um, and then other than that, um, the uh, really the whole plant built team um, – who really inspired me and my wife to continue, you know, being vegan and go on. And, um, uh, uh yeah, that's pretty much it, man. Um, that's awesome. Uh, I want to throw a shout out. I don't want to shout out today. Um, I want to shout out my friend, Rosalie. We, this was not a vegan lifestyle, but we had had, extremely busy weeks. So we went out and bought five pints of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. And then last night sat and watched Wonder Woman for two and a half hours. <laughs> you know, Ben and Jerry's makes dairy free now though, right? I do. I do know Ben yeah. and Jerry's makes dairy free. So that and their Oreo, their Oreo peanut cookie thing is absolutely amazing. Just, just as a plug. It's okay. so good. <laughs> okay. I will definitely get that the next time when I run out of these five, uh, <laughs> pints of ice cream, but I do want to also throw out a shout out to very good friend of mine out in Arizona, Ashley Dector Gersh. She has inspired me to, um, she is replacing all the products in her household uh, to products from companies that do not test on animals. That's awesome. So I have started undertaking that as well. And it's, it's not easy. Like products that aren't tested on animals are usually more expensive and harder to find. So, but I did discover that Target, actually their seventh generation line of cleaning products and detergents um, are not tested on animals. So that's really cool if you want a uh, cheap and easy way to make a little dent in the life of some animals. So th those are my two shout outs for this week. Where can people get in contact with you, man? Um, so... Uh my um my instagram and i'm more active on instagram than anything um i have a facebook which is just my name um but i'm typically i post through instagram to facebook but my instagram handle is at uh car on sticks so if you know the uh the mythological ferryman that's uh the the name of uh Caron. so and then sticks is the river sticks. So sorry, super nerd, but, um, <laughs> that's my, that's my Instagram handle. And that's typically where, um, I do a lot of my posting and a lot of what I post is food things just to help people try, try to transition into veganism or I describe any sort of like, uh, um, 
you know, milestones that I've had from being a, a diabetic vegan, just to help other people realize that carbs aren't the enemy, yada, yada, yada. But that's really where um, I post a lot of things. And then uh, me and my wife actually have a shared Instagram account um, that sort of uh, focuses on vegan families or vegan family life. And that is at fit underscore four F O R underscore Freya. Um, and, uh, that's our daughter's name and she super inspires us to stay fit and be healthy, um, for her. So those are our two, um, main sort of like ways to get a hold of us if you want. Um, and then, um, I guess for spelling purposes, give you that for show notes if anybody wants to get a hold of us. But, um, like we're totally down with helping anybody with transitioning to veganism, diabetes, anything like that. That's awesome, dude. And I will include, along with you uh, stating it on the podcast, if people want links, I will include all those links over onto the show notes. Other than that, man, uh, I got nothing else for you. I want to thank you again for giving me part of your part of your Sunday. I absolutely appreciate it. Thank you very much for being here. Awesome, dude. Thank you. I appreciate it as well. You are very welcome. You are welcome back anytime. Maybe we'll just start going through Val Kilmer's 80s uh, filmography and we'll just start talking about those every week. Awesome, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Other than that, everyone out there listening, thank you again. This has been another episode of the Dumbos and Dragons podcast and we will catch you on the next one. Work out, nerd out. Thank you for listening to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Please leave us a review on iTunes as well as a rating. We would definitely appreciate it. And while you're at it, follow us on all social media at Dumbbells Dragon. That includes Pinterest, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, and Snapchat. Until next time, work out, nerd out.